Welcome to the 14th episode of Sound the Foghorn Fan Side. It's official San Francisco Giants podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also, please leave those five-star reviews. Remember, if you do, make sure to include a question, and I will answer it alongside my guest on a future episode. I'm your host, Mark DeLuke, and today I'm very excited to be joined by Katie Wu, who recently joined the NBA Sports Bay Area team after writing at MILB.com for some time. Katie, thanks for joining me today. Mark, thanks so much for having me on. Excited to be here. So, you know, I imagine in your transition to the Bay Area, I'm not sure how closely, you know, you were following the the Giants last season, but I imagine at least sort of since getting to NBC, uh, what is it? NBC SBA is the acronym, I think, right? Um, oh, yeah, it's a handful. Yeah, yeah um, when, when you get back there, uh, I met, or when you get there, I imagine, you know, you're kind of looking a bit more closely. I'm curious, as you sort of looked at the Giants and looked over the 2020 season, you know, what kind of have been your takeaways from where that team's at right now? Sure. Well, you know, I, I grew up in the Bay Area and then went all, all sorts of different places, came back after college thanks to the pandemic and, and have been, you know, kind of laying low in my hometown since. And it ends up being about 45 minutes from San Francisco. So anytime I was bored, which last year happened to be a lot, as we all know, uh, there was usually a Giants game on. So I did watch a significant amount of Giants and A's games. Um, and it's funny. I had absolutely zero expectations for the Giants coming into 2020. Um, the Dodgers pretty much profiled as the best team in the division, if not baseball. The Padres were on the rise. And I, I think the Padres were a little bit underrated last year, but people were still like, okay, you know, maybe they will be good this year. The Diamondbacks and the Rockies weren't anything super special, but it, they – all 100% looked a lot better than the Giants. I remember going into opening day and I was with a friend that day and I said, hey, I got to get home. Totally joking. Uh, I got to go see the Giants lose 8-1 to the Dodgers on opening day. And they actually did lose 8-1 to the Dodgers <laughs> on opening day. So I think that just kind of set the tone of, okay, hey, no expectations. This is a rebuild year, 60 games. I'm just happy to have baseball back. Let's see what happens. And what you saw happen was the Giants, the front office, the team, Gabe Kapler, figure out, okay, what's working? What kind of experiments are going to work out here? What's not working out? What kind of fixes do we need to make in this very short season? And what I've learned to admire about this new kind of era in the Giants under the Farhan Zaidi era is their ability to somehow, some way, still compete in the middle of a rebuild process. It's a, a very kind of unique system that's lost pretty much in, in the sport these days. So that was pretty fun for me. I mean, we all know, any, any baseball fan knows, the Giants were by far not the best team in, in baseball last year, not even close. Yet they were in expanded playoff contention up until the very last day of the season when they were supposed to be in a rebuild. For me, that was a really pleasant surprise, and I, I definitely didn't see it coming. Yeah, and it's this, you know, the second straight season, obviously, you know, the year prior when there, if there had been expanded playoffs, the Giants would have obviously been in contention for longer then. But even at the trade deadline, because the National League was so, you know, murky in, in the middle, you know, that's part of the reason, you know, I think a lot of people said the Giants didn't end up trading Madison Bumgarner, didn't end up trading Will Smith at the deadline because they were still kind of in the kind of glob of contention sort of in the middle of the National League. And I think that's something that to be fair to give credit to the previous regime as well you know a lot of the veteran players were under long term contracts who you know arguably are the reason that Bobby Evans was fired 
so there was that kind of baseline of talent. But Zaidi's done a good job of adding at the margins and making the games interesting. And I, I do think there's something to be said for that. Um, I was talking to Brady Klopfer over at, uh, from McCovey Chronicles a couple weeks ago, and I kind of said this team is kind of like the We Believe Warriors for Giants fans right now because there really are no expectations. It really is kind of just a, you know, watch and have fun. And while it's obviously frustrating and we don't need to get into Trevor Bauer and the Dodgers just adding him, but you know, the the Dodgers and Padres being as good as they are is obviously frustrating, but I think there's also an element of like relief isn't the right word, but where it's like, if you're a Giants fan right now, heading into the season, like, you know, I highly doubt you have expectations. The Giants are going to finish above the Padres or Dodgers. And if you do, I strongly advise against that. (laughs) And so that is kind of essential, a certain level of, I guess, you know, again, if they lose a game here or there, it doesn't necessarily mean what it might, if you're on the edge of your seat for playoff contention. Now we can get into sort of, as it moves along, you know, that can only last so long. You know, you can only kind of be, playing you know having moral victory seasons for a certain amount of time before i think we do need to start seeing some you know more aggressive moves towards uh, a playoff contention but i do think that's been uh, an impressive part of what the zaidi's done these first couple years exactly and and i think it kind of flies under the radar and and i understand i mean you brought up these these heroes of the giants even your dynasty right you have buster posey you have the brandons madison bumgarner bochi at the helm of course And it's so easy as fans to get so caught up in the loyalty of that and the impact that that those teams, even, you know, the the core four relievers, they were so impactful on this team's history. And and what the Giants have have done in the past is they've always rewarded loyalty with these long-term contracts. And, you know, I'm not saying that's not what you should do in any way. I thought it was, uh, you know, in a day where you see major league owners getting – cheaper and cheaper. I, you know, growing up, I thought that was a remarkable thing for the Giants to do. And now, you know, it's a new era and they're kind of strained from that. And it's difficult for fans to kind of process that, okay, this is no longer the, the Giants dynasty that brought that even year magic, even though we still have some of those key players on the roster. Um, it's kind of hard to separate those, these two kinds of directions that these teams were going. Um, and I, I can understand the frustration. I can really understand, you know, the the pessimistic kind of attitudes seeing other teams, especially in the division, go out and spend all this money, go out and compete while it seems like the Giants are laying low. But I do believe, you know, with a little bit of patience, and I know that's hard, you should start seeing those results come to fruition late this year, early next year, too. Yeah, and that's sort of the thing where there's clearly a plan right there there clearly seems to be a vision and i think to be fair to giants fans i think most a lot of them have sort of bought into you know they they saw how the you know like the even year run you know really just fell off a cliff at, at the end of bobby evans's tenure and so you know they were open to a more ed, more prospect oriented you know short term rebuild you know a lot of you know a lot of alex wood a lot of kevin gaussman signings you know to these bounce back kind of candidates to try to build up some value and then try to sort of build something from the ground up like they had, you know, in 2008, nine and 10, when they sort of built the, what would become the dynasty. And that's sort of the weird tension in there's, there does come a point though, right. Where you have to say, all right, is 
are we getting close to that vision? Will they spend? When does that time come? And so that's, you know, obviously it wasn't last off season. The Giants didn't spend a lot. It doesn't look like this off season is going to be one. And there aren't really any names on the market anyway, um, if they were wanting to, but, and then, you know, the second issue, all right, maybe next year will be, and maybe it will, maybe it won't. And that's sort of what I think is, is interesting and difficult, but also sort of creates this discourse around the team because the reality is the only person, at least as far as I know, who will determine that is, or I guess the two people would be Farhan Zaidi and Giants ownership, right? That they will make that decision when, all right, we're going to go for the big fish. And when that happens is hypothetically when you'd expect them to make that extra jump alongside, obviously, their prospects starting to trickle into the major league roster. Absolutely. I, I mean, we can get into this later too, but you know, when you think about all those factors, it makes sense why they did what they did this season. You know, they filled the holes that they needed to, not with any big names, but, you know, with improvements. And it seems like, you know, following their blueprint and this plan that they have formulated over the past couple seasons, that 2022 will be that year when it's kind of like the, the ultimate collide with everything supposedly falling into place. So we will definitely have to wait and see how that plays out. I think many people are offended at you considering Tommy LaStella not an elite name on baseball <laughs> lore. Uh, but, but no, I mean, that's right. Like you mentioned, that's the big offensive side of the offseason. He gets a three-year, I want to say $18.5 million, maybe $18.75 million deal. You know, Anthony Scofani gets, I think, one year six. Yeah, Alex Wood gets one year three. Some bullpen signings, Matt Whistler, a lot of minor league deals around there as well. Uh, what, what's kind of your, your takeaway? How do you feel about these signings and how they fit with the roster? Hey, you know, I'm, I'm all here for the Tommy LaStella signing. I think he's a perfect fit. Um, he's one of those, like, you know, he's, I mean, he's a former all-star. He's established himself very well, both defensively and offensively. He's someone that fits pretty much every hole the Giants were trying to fill. I mean, he can play third base. He can play second. You heard Farhan say earlier, maybe yesterday, I don't even know the days anymore, uh, that, you know, Brandon Belt maybe won't be ready by opening day so they could see LaStella at first. He can hit. He doesn't strike out often. He's a great kind of matchup player. And you know that Zaidi and Kapler like to play the matchups. They favor the matchups. They favor the analytics. So he's a perfect candidate for what the, tri- the Giants are trying to do right now. I think it's probably their best signing of the offseason. You know, they, they went into to the winter with this kind of plan of, okay, we have a lot of things that we need to fix. We don't want to go spend a lot of money right now because, one, the free agency class – wasn't as as big as years prior we have a lot of things coming why would we spend all this money when we know the Dodgers and the Padres are going to go big this year and it doesn't really fit our time frame anyway but and you know I don't I don't like calling players you know like cheap replacements but they did go out and they got a lot of like formidable bargain players on one year kind of rental deals to fill these holes Alex Wood is one of those guys, Kevin Gausman, like you said, is one of those guys who wanted to come back. They got uh, Anthony Descalfani, who wanted to play in San Francisco. They needed a backup catcher while Joey Bart gets some much-needed time in, in the Myers to Buster Posey. So they got Kirk Casale. Like, they got all these names that make you go, who? And then you look, and, you know, and then they trade for Lamonte Wade Jr., again, another guy where you're like, oh, I don't really, I'm not really familiar. But you go and you look, you see – Kind of you go on their baseball reference page, you look up these articles, and you're like, okay, this makes sense. Now, obviously, I'm not going to sit here and, 
and say on this podcast, you know, the Giants offseason was just as well done as the Mets, as the Dodgers, as the Padres, right? It's not even close. But for what the Giants are trying to accomplish, again, based on their time frame and their blueprint of success, this is exactly the kind of offseason they needed to have. Barnes IED is very, very good at finding these bargain, you know, diamond in the rough kinds of players that benefit a team that's supposed to be rebuilding, but instead makes them competitive. You avoid the tanking process entirely. And these games are still exciting. They still have meaning. You're still in it. And hey, who knows? It's uh, Major League Baseball in a pandemic. Maybe we find out we get expanded playoffs right before opening day. And then it really benefits the Giants' uh, favor. That's, that's, a, that's a really good point. Expanded playoffs are, you know, the designated hitter, I think, when you look at the Giants roster, especially with Wilmer Flores and Darren Ruff, that's also, I think, would be a big one alongside expanded rosters. But the obviously the, the expanded playoff would be a game changer for the Giants postseason hopes. I wonder, too, when it comes to team building, I think part of it is we have this one perspective as fans. And again, this isn't a criticism. I'm not saying we should you know, fans should focus on the, you know, build their fandom around the Tommy Lestellas and the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sort of, you know, very good secondary pieces on potential contending teams. But I think it's also important to think about ha- multiple ways to go about team building, right? Multiple ways to go about building a potential dynasty, building, you know, a long-term contender. And, you know, you think about the, the quote unquote long-term deals that society has signed. I put that in quotes, obviously, because long-term, but, you know, LaStella gets a three-year deal. Wilmer Flores essentially got a three-year deal because that third-year team option is so small. So he should be, he barring something unforeseen, will probably be with the Giants through 2022 on his current contract. Rather than, you know, think about like basketball team building. This is the obvious one, right? Where, you know, you go on the free agent market and you look for a star player and you sign him to the max contract that takes up all your cap space. And then you fill in the roster with like your little mid-level exceptions and minimum contracts. Right. And that's, I think in baseball, how we approach it too. you know, you go get your star, whether you develop them internally or you sign, you know, you develop, if you're the Yankees, you develop an Aaron judge and a Gary Sanchez and you sign a Garrett Cole. Right. And then at that point you fill in the margins. And I think what Zaidi has done is he said, well, if I can get a star, I'll, I'll try, right. I'll make an offer for a Bryce Harper. You know, I'll, I'll keep an eye out. I'll make calls here and there, but for the most part right now, I'm kind of not in a position where I'm going to want to offer more than the Dodgers are going to for Mookie Betts or than the Padres are going to for Blake Snell or Hugh Darvish. And so what I'm left with is I'm going to hope I can acquire prospects and develop my stars from within through my player development apparatus. And I might as well start filling in the margins of the roster first, because obviously no one thinks you're going to have win a championship with Wilmer Flores and Tommy LaStella. But if I told you a world series championship team had Wilmer Flores and Tommy LaStella on the roster, that would also make sense to you. You could understand how they could be valuable bench bat platoon players on a contending team. And I think that's the way to look at these moves as well. That is an absolute beautiful breakdown. I wish I could play that on a loop to people that are so angry about this offseason. And again, I understand the anger, but when you break it down in in such a easy way to understand, like you just did, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, and when you think about it this way, it almost sounds almost exactly to what the Giants were doing in 2008 and 2009. I mean, think of who was on that 2010 World Series team. Was there, you know, yeah, you had the rookie of the year and Buster Posey, who was a rookie, 
right? You know, the, the, two, the 2010 World Series winners were a band of misfits that were never supposed to be there. And you saw that in 2012. And you saw that in 2014. Um, and those three teams all had one big star on it. You know, it was a, whether that was Posey, whether it was Bumgarner, whoever happened to be hot at the time. And they were always surrounded by these like perfect little implementations that have been on this team that complemented the roster to exactly what they needed. And it made sense. It worked. Obviously, the, I mean, there's three, three rings in five years. I don't really know anyone that's going to complain about that. Maybe Warriors fans. But <laughs> it's, I get the apprehension. I get the, you know, the trepidation when it comes and the frustration when it comes to seeing what other teams are doing that are going all out for it. But you've got to trust the process here. And I'm not one that usually advocates for, for ownership if I don't think that we know what they're doing fits some sort of methodical plan. But I do think that this season, 2021, we're going to look back and remember, that's when it all started. That's when this like new era really started to come together. Yeah, I'm looking back on the baseball reference page for that 2010 World Series, right? You have Freddie Sanchez, Juan Uribe, Edgar Renteria, all three players who played prominent roles on that team. You know, the Giants don't win the World Series without any of those players, even though they aren't the face of, of that championship team. And all three were acquired either before or during the 2009 season, right? So, you exactly. know, when, when, they, you know, when they sign Edgar Renteria, when they trade for Freddie Sanchez, they aren't thinking, oh, that's going to win us the 2010 World Series. But those were pieces that allowed when Madison Bumgarner and Buster Posey were ready that season and kind of put them over the top, there was that foundation in place for them to, you know, to put them over the top, right? That's again about, I think Roger Muncher's written about this over on his There Are Giants Substack. It's a Substack. It's one of the subscription things. I do recommend it. Um, <laughs> it is, he talked about, right, like building the foundation so when a Joey Bart or an Elliot Ramos is ready, they aren't being asked to lift this team, you know, to contention, but rather just lift this team over the top. Cause that's kind of what the position Joey Bart was put in last season to be fair to him, where this team was kind of on the cusp of contention. And, you know, if Joey Bart has the rookie of the year, Buster Posey 2010, the giants probably make the playoffs. But you think about the pressure that's putting on a guy who's already the second overall pick already has all this hype around him. And it makes it even harder, I think, to put him in a position to succeed. Absolutely. And, and I mean, the, I don't think the giants, wanted i mean it was they were very mm -hmm. clear they did not want joey bar up there it was a you know a circumstance that had to happen and i don't think any of the flack that joey bar has had to deal with is fair you know this guy's played barely 60 games over double a he had an injury in his first or his last full season which was in 2019 and he comes up and you know he gets thrown into three weeks at the alternate site and hey welcome to the big leagues you know go catch johnny cueto it's, it'll be much easier for, for guys like Joey Bart and some of the younger guys, Will Wilson, perhaps if we see him this year, which we likely will, to have that extra time where they have somewhat of a, a normal season. Although that 2021 won't be normal, it will certainly be a lot uh, more comfortable than 2020. And I think once these younger players get their reps, they kind of get to have their expectations instead of, you know, as, as you know, half the time guys found out a couple days before what was going on. That'll be a much more fair opportunity to evaluate these players and what they can bring to the Giants in the future. Yeah, and so earlier you mentioned Lamonte Way Jr. Giants just acquired him for Sean Anderson from the Minnesota Twins. You, you mentioned, obviously, he's a left-handed bat, uh, seems projected to be an above-average corner outfielder defensively, can also play a little first base. The Twins have played him a lot in center field. Metrics are kind of skeptical of how 
good he is in center field, but he has played there in uh, the big leagues. He also has options left, so he gives the Giants some roster flexibility. Farhan Zaidi made the joke that he's had an unhealthy amount of time looking at Tommy Lastella's walk to strikeout rate. I think you could or you could uh, opine he might have been doing the same thing with Lamonte Wade Jr.'s walk more than he struck out over his minor league career and does have some power potential, even if it's not carried over consistently. You know, what did you think of that move? Obviously, Sean Anderson was someone who's, you know, been a relatively well-regarded pitching prospect in the Giants system and, you know, seemed to put together a up and down, but overall kind of solid-ish year for the Giants bullpen this season. You know, what, what what's your evaluation of that move? I, I think it's a move that makes sense. I mean, so Wade Jr. is one of those players that, you know, he'll compete for that fifth outfielder spot. He is versatile, as you said, can play both corner positions, has, you know, maybe not projected as well in center field, but I think you'll see the Giants kind of favor the matchup between him and Mauricio Dubon and Steven Duggar and, and any of the other kind of options they have there. As I said before, the Giants like to favor the analytics. They like to take the matchup and, they, you know, that, that's something that they are, are not shying from. It'll be very rare, I think, that you see uh, any versions of the same lineups repeatedly from this team. So he makes sense because he, again, fits, you know, he can play everywhere. They can slot him in somewhere. He gets on base a lot, you know, when he's going to be competing with Steven Duggar and Jalen Davis for that kind of outfield spot there. I think he profiles a lot better than, than Duggar, and that's no knock on him. It's just you've seen Duggar kind of struggle to, to get on base. You've seen Duggar kind of struggle to put the ball in play where even in his small sample size in the majors and his bigger sample size in the minors, Wade Jr. has always gotten on base. He's always put up a pretty high on base percentage. You know, that, that kind of stuff is important. I think it'll play, um, you know, like we said, the Giants aren't going out there looking for home runs every at bat. They want to, you know, get crafty with the way that they score. I think a nice little platoon option with him and Dubon. Well, uh, Dubon, I, I can't even begin to describe what he did playing infield all in the minors and comes out and plays center field most of, his, most of 2020. I do think that Dubon is one of those players, too, that can play everywhere. So you'll see maybe the outfielders and then Dubon kind of switch into the infield. It'll be the Giants will be their, – their lineup will be an entirely, like, confusing, moving puzzle piece assortment. And Wade Jr. fits that perfectly. Uh, departing with Sean Anderson makes sense. He certainly was an admirable prospect. He still has a lot of upside. But he's a right-handed pitcher. The Giants sign, you know, Matt Whistler and uh, – John Brevia already, it was a kind of crowded in the bullpen for right-handers, so it made sense to depart with him. Uh, I, I, all in all, I think it's a very good trade, a smart trade. Sure, probably not the junior outfielder that the Giants fans were expecting, you know, with the rumors being linked to Jackie Bradley Jr. But again, it's, it's a very Zaidi move there, and I think it makes sense for what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, and to kind of build off your points about the bullpen, they've also added a lot of guys with big league, recent big league experience on minor league contracts, Dominique Leone, Jay Jackson, Silvino Bracco. So mm-hmm. even beyond those big league guys, they, it looks like they have guys who that triple a bullpen, even without Anderson is probably going to be really good to give them some options to pull from at points as well. I've been someone who's been higher on Duggar partially because I thought he was going to develop a bit more power. And to be fair to Duggar, he's also lost a lot of developmental time. But I think the big thing that when you look at, you know, he has a larger big league sample than Wade, but, you know, they both, you know, haven't hit for a lot of power. They both haven't hit for a lot of average, but in his plate appearances, Duggar struck out 29% of the time. 
in Wade's plate appearances, he struck out 16% of the time. And I mm-hmm. think we've seen from Zaidi where if you're not hitting well, if you're a below average hitter, but you're putting the ball in play, he's willing to stick with you. It's when you're striking out a lot and you're not hitting for a lot of power, that sort of quick trigger becomes to come into effect. And so I think that's one thing with Wade where he says, you know, even if he doesn't necessarily take another step forward, I can at least ensure he's going to, you know, have some good at bats, put the ball in play, you know, give himself a chance to get on base. And we've talked about, you know, the offense a lot. And again, I think it's just really, I think, again, the offense is really interesting to talk about because one, it was actually pretty good last year, but two, there aren't really any stars on it, but it has like 10 or 11 guys where you can say, you know, they they are kind of like solid, you know, contributors, like, you know, more than a platoon player, maybe not, um, you know, most of them aren't necessarily firm everyday players, but, you know, there's a lot of players who it's like, you know, most teams would probably want to give them 300 to 400 at bats in a 162 game season. The pitching staff, on the other hand, is where it gets more complicated because like we mentioned, we can see Listella and Flores and obviously Yastrzemski on a contender in a couple years. But we mentioned with the pitching staff, it's been pretty much entirely one-year deals. It actually has been entirely one-year deals. And there isn't, you know, there haven't been the same, you know, I guess, well, actually, to be fair, Sam Selman, you know, has been someone who's kind of been picked up. And, but there haven't been the Solanos and the Yastrzemskis to the same level who the Giants have long-term control over as well. So how do you feel about this Giants pitching staff right now heading into this season? Sure. No, those, those are all great points. Um, I think the, the most common phrase we're going to hear with this rotation, especially uh, the starters and uh, going into the spring is, you know, if like that's going to be the, the what if is going to be the, the defining thing for these guys. Uh, and, and it starts with the, with the first person that comes to mind, at least for me, when you think Giants pitchers, I mean, if you don't revert to Johnny Cueto, I'm questioning you because he's obviously going to be the most fun guy to watch there just for performance alone. If Johnny Cueto can show, you know, I'm not saying revert back to his prime, but if he can revert back and and show like more flashes of what he did in 2020, they should be okay. If Kevin Gossman does the same thing, if he goes and reverts back to to the success he saw in 2020, they should be okay. If the Scalfani can show more of his 2019 version than his 2020, and to be very fair, he wasn't horrible in 2020. You see an ERA in the sevens and you think, oh my gosh, absolutely not. But he really only had two bad starts last year in a very already short season that kind of skewed that. So if, like I said, that keyword, he can show more of the 2019 side with the high strikeout rate and, you know, the, the good kind of combinations on his pitches there, they got a pretty solid top three. Now, it's obviously not going to, to compare to, I mean, I don't even know what Blake Snell, you Darvish, Nelson Lamette for the Padres. Uh, the Padres' fifth starter would be like unequivocally the Giants' ace right now. Oh, one hundred percent. Chris like, Paddock would be, you know, the the best starter heading into the next season for the Giants, probably alongside Gausman. Giants fans would kill to have <laughs> the sheriff. They would be stoked. They'd be like, "Oh my gosh, this is just like another Madison Bumgarner." Like he would absolutely thrive on that team. The Giants' rotation isn't, you know, it's not going to compare to that. It's not going to compare to Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, and now Trevor Bauer right? Like we're going to be realistic. It's not even close. But if, like I said, if these players, if Logan Webb can continue to develop, if Alex Wood can, you know, eat up innings and 
if Tyler Beatty can come back from Tommy John surgery and show what the organization thought they were going to see in, in 2018, then they have a shot again of at least competing. And that's been the primary goal of 2021 is, you know, stay in these games. Win, win the ones you can. You're going to get blown out every now and then, especially when you play in the division, unfortunately, that probably has the two best teams in the National League. Nothing they can really do about that, right? At least not right now. So for this pitching staff, you know, there's there's a lot that can go wrong. It's going to be a big gamble, um, and I, I certainly think that it will be a, an up and down roller coaster, especially in the beginning. And if it ends up being more downs than ups, you'll probably see some moves being made. Yeah, and it definitely shows just you know how important having good starting pitching is in Major League Baseball, and also how scarce it is. You know, like. Giants, obviously, you know, fans have been spoiled with the kind of rotations because that's really what, you know, formed the dynasty, obviously, in 2010, 2012, and then, you know, really just massive Bumgarner in 2014. But nonetheless, you know, having elite starting pitchers, having an elite rotation is just really hard to come by, right? Like, you know, again, we mentioned Zaidi's found Solano. He's found or, you know, acquired Solano, acquired Yastrzemski, who've become these really strong contributors obviously Sam Selman again you know you're seeing them acquire a lot of depth through the bullpen a lot of depth in the starting lineup and you see a lot of viable options the starting rotation don't get me wrong they're, they're clearly trying to add depth and to be fair they have been tied to Jake Odorizzi on the free agent market and mm-hmm. to, to be quite honest if they brought him in that's not going to obviously like put them over the top but I think that does you know you can see kind of the trickle-down effects of that being quite positive where sure. you know him and Gaussman are probably you know you're more trusting of them. And if Cueto bounces back and, you know, and then you can kind of look down and then Alex Wood and Logan Webb and Tyler Beatty are all kind of competing for that five, six spot, which is a lot easier, I think, to envision being a, a strong unit, but it's just, you know, it's a lot harder to kind of, you know, everyone's looking for starting pitching. And so it's a lot harder to kind of, you know, here's the under the radar guy performing well at AAA who we can get cheap. It's like those starters just generally aren't there. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, the reason that everyone's looking for starting pitching is because the Padres keep taking everybody. <laughs> if they would, I don't know, learn to share, it'd be a little different. But I mean, the Dodgers too. The Dodgers' sixth and seventh guys right now in the rotation are supposedly, you know, projecting to be Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin. God. Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin would be at least number three on half of the other teams in baseball. Yeah. So it's almost an embarrassment of riches from these two Southern California squads. And, you know, the the saying goes, you can never have too much starting pitching. I definitely think that's the case. And it's something that the Giants should, and I'm sure they are, keeping tabs on. You know, it's, it's potentially going to be a full season this year. They, we're thinking, we're hoping so. Um, and I don't see, you know, those five guys. And Beatty, again, no knock on him, but he's coming back from Tommy John. You know, they're, they're going to take him very slow, as they should. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if there is, you know, something brewing later on but I, I find it very hard to imagine the starting rotation that starts the 2021 season is the one that ends it so if we talk about the you know the giants if we, if we pretend where we can read Zaidi's mind and that he is viewing the 2022 2023 seasons as when the window opens is when you know we're going to start playing sort of more of those chips taking a bit more risk and saying we're going to try to go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers or the Padres or both to you know get to the the non-expanded postseason assuming this is there isn't a permanent expanded postseason how do you go about you know how do you foresee getting that competitive starting rotation because we mentioned the lineup already has depth you have a lot of guys with team control and that's also where the farm systems right a lot more stack you know you mentioned will wilson and obviously bart and 
Ramos and, you know, even Luis Matos all the way down, Marco Luciano, obviously considered one of the best prospects in baseball. You can not only see the depth on the big league roster, you can also see future depth, potential stardom in the minor league system. You know, there are some interesting pitching prospects, you know, Seth Corey, Kyle Harrison, mm-hmm. Tristan Beck, uh, Sean Jelly, obviously, but you know, it's obviously not as deep and definitely not prospects who have the same kind of pedigree and reputation around the league. I can see that lineup forming. How do you see that pitching rotation kind of working itself out? In all honesty, you know, if I'm, if I'm in Zaidi's mind, I see pre-agent acquisition looming in the next offseason. Look, a lot, of, a lot of things can change, as we know, in the next year, um, especially with the CBA set to expire in December. But 2022 right now is, is shaping up to be one of the biggest free agency classes in modern history. Um, I, I mean, you can pull it up on each team. There are some big guys that you're like, he's going to be a free agent. We, you know, what can we go pursue him? You know, what, what can we do here? The pitching continue will continue to be a kind of, you know, question mark for the Giants going forward, even with guys like Seth Corey, Tristan Beck, et cetera, you know, that are profiling well, that are profiling in that window of, of prospect fruition. But they'll have to make either a, a big trade or a big free agency signing. And I think for as lackluster as 2021's offseason was, which was, you know, a pretty big snoozer, to be honest, 2022 should be the exact opposite of that. Um, you're going to see, I think, a league-wide shakeup of guys, and that includes starting pitching. So I think it, it is a little early to kind of visualize who that's going to be. Um, but I, I definitely think, you know, the Giants' ace next year is not going to be someone that they find, uh, you know, in their AA or AAA kind of foundation. It's going to be someone they go out and pursue, whether that's trade or free agency signing remains to be seen. But I would expect if the Giants are going to make one big move next year, it's going to be centralized around pitching because that's really what they'll need to go outside of the organization to get. Yeah, and I think the other thing that kind of hangs over it, to be fair, as we talk about 2022, is those is the expiring collective bargaining agreement between the league and the Players Association. And, you know, there's, it does appear the owners are trying to be hardline with this and, you know, the players – have already kind of lost a lot of ground from the last CBA. And so they're kind of in a position where they're trying to, you know, get, you know, they're decreasing share of revenues. They're trying to advocate their position. So it is kind of starting to look like 2022 also might, you know, there's a shadow of, will there be a strike or lockout or Mm -hmm. a shortened season in that end? And so that creates a whole nother kind of complication for the Giants getting back to competitiveness. But if you think about it from the opposite side, every team could potentially be dealing with that. And from the Giants' perspective of, well, the Dodgers and Padres have a lot of really good talent right now that's under team control and under long-term contract. Every year, you know, you move along, they obviously have less of that, and the Giants' prospects hopefully get a year closer. So not to say that obviously the Giants don't want to strike or want a lockout, but there's also kind of that to keep in mind as well that – you know, maybe 2022 is the dream and maybe, maybe, you know, again, we, we talked about the 2010, the beginning of the even years dynasty, right? 2009 was the first year the Giants were like really, in, really competitive and like in the wild card race into the end of the season and ultimately ended up a few games short and finished like six or I think seven or eight games above 500. And then the next year they win the division and make the world series. You know, I think you might be looking at 2022 in that kind of realm as well, where even if you don't necessarily make a massive uh, pitching upgrade, although again, I think that's definitely something they'll target that you hope the prospects in the offense can take some steps forward 
to kind of carry you further along where, you know, they've been kind of a fringe 500, just below 500 team, flip it on its head. You're probably going to need to add a couple of starters, right? You know, obviously right now there's pretty much no one under contract next season in this starting rotation. So you're going to have to either re-sign people or have organizational pieces develop further. So, you know, this is going to be, I think, a multiple off season or at least multiple move kind of starting rotation development process. Oh, absolutely. I think that is definitely a great point. And, you know, when you look at these, when you look at the Dodgers and the Padres, because I mean, let's face it, Giants fans are going to go, they're already sick of the Dodgers. They've been sick of, sick of the Dodgers since like, you know, history. Um, they're, Giants fans are going to get real sick of the Padres real soon. And, and here's why. The Padres are just now starting to come together. They still have the best pitching prospect in baseball that's going to be added to what is arguably already one of the best starting rotations in baseball. The Dodgers have this long running, you know, decade of success and still one of the best farm systems in baseball. So the Dodgers and the Padres are still growing. And it's almost exhausting to think that the Dodgers are still growing because they just like never seem to stop. Um, And now, you know, it's the Padres. And for whatever reason, baseball fans are are so, in general, so quick to write off the Padres. And I, I don't know if that's just based on the team's history or, you know, maybe their lack of of success and you know I have a soft spot for the Padres so I'm in no way trying to throw any shade there but their lack of success I guess overall as a franchise but this this is a different Padres team that Giants fans need to be prepared to see over and over again um, as you know okay great so not only do we have to compete with the Dodgers who are still going to be really good now we have the Padres coming up that we have to compete with too. So this is not going to be a, you know, we sign one free agent, our prospects come up and they're pretty good. Boom, back to the top of the division. This is going to be, you know, a three-way fight. And I mean, probably this year more of a two-way fight. But in years to come, a three-way fight to, to be at the top or to go to the wild card. Uh, the one thing the Giants have going in their favor is that it seems as though the Rockies have just given up. <laughs> So that's one thing they don't really have to worry about. Um, and maybe that will help ease the pain of having to compete with not just the Dodgers anymore, but the Padres as well. Yeah. And the Diamondbacks are an interesting one. Cause I actually liked a lot of the moves they made heading into last season. And then it seemed to fall apart quickly. They ended up being sellers at the deadline and it, it doesn't seem to be, um, they, they do have, I think, to be fair, the entire NL West, with the exception of the Rockies, the entire National League West, those teams have really good farm systems. Like, you know, the Giants have come a long way, and I, I really think the Giants system in a lot of ways is underrated because so much of the talent is centralized in a few positions, mainly the outfield. And so I think mm-hmm. there kind of just becomes this repetitive thing where it's like, all right, well, they can't have this many top prospects at the same position kind of thing. Just naturally, I think, kind of does for rankings. And to be fair, they don't have the pitching depth that a lot of other systems do. But, you know, as good as they are, I still think the Dodgers and Padres systems are superior at the very least on par. And I think the Diamondbacks as well. And so that's where, again, it's like the Giants have to, frankly, get it right. And I I mean that in the sense of obviously every team has to get it right. But they have a smaller window because the Dodgers and Padres have the advantage. They have the elite players who are already in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they don't develop – new players, the Dodgers still have Mookie Betts. The Padres still have Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado, right? And so the, and you know, the Dodgers have Walker Bueller, right? And so the Giants have to outplayer development them probably out and they have to outmaneuver them in trades in the off season. And 
they probably still need some luck from, you know, certain players on those teams regressing or, you know, whether, you know, other things happening to get up to that level. And so it really is, they are a far way off, but at the same time, you know, look at the Astros three years ago, you know, look at the Cubs four Mm -hmm. years ago, uh, look at Cleveland, you know, not too long ago either, where you could have looked at those franchises and said, they are going to go on a giants like run, right? They five, you know, three titles in five years potentially and build off of that. And those organizations, you know, at least the Astros right now, right. They're going to try to get back to it. But obviously this year was a downfall for lack of a better term, the Cubs, obviously. So it, it things can change incredibly quickly in sports. It's weird. Cause we, I think we focus, we are like, hyper focused on every moment when it comes to sports but sometimes miss also how quickly things change exactly and you know i, I think that's that's the beauty of, of baseball you can have all these projections everything can be on this like perfectly printed out blueprint plan but when you think about it how often does the best team on paper win the world series yeah. ask the dodgers once in like in the last decade, you know, Giants, like I said, all three years they won were not the best team, <laughs> weren't even close. Hey, um, Barry Zito could go up against Justin Verlander any day in 2012. That's, that's what I say. That is a absolutely glorious day. <laughs> and we should be trademarking Barry Zito Day in the Major League <laughs> Baseball for eternity. Yeah, he, he's Hall of Fame eligible. I feel like, you know, Giants, if there was a fan vote component, Giants fans would be very torn because obviously I think a lot of them are frustrated with how the contract worked out, but that one series, you know, that's what we talk about like value when it comes to free agent contracts. And obviously I understand there's a macro component and every dollar you spend here, if ownership is rigid, you can't spend it elsewhere. But look, you gave Zito a seven year, $126 million contract. And that one start, like there were three starts in 2012 that were worth that money. Exactly. And then they won the world series. So it goes to like, was it worth it? And every almost every fan is going to be like, well, we won a World Series, so I guess so. Yeah. But, you know, if they don't win the World Series, it's a wash of a contract. It's, it's so funny how those things work. Yeah, so, you know, last question. I've taken up enough of your time uh, <laughs> on this Saturday. You know, what are you most excited to watch this season on the Giants' big league roster? Because, ho- you know, hopefully there can be safely minor league baseball, and hopefully that gets going. And obviously I think Giants fans, a lot of attention is going to go to the minor leagues because of what we've talked about with these prospects. But what are you most excited to watch this season on the major league roster? You know, this is kind of like a very obvious answer. And, you know, while I will be tapping into the minor leagues and seeing the prospect development, and hopefully there is a minor league season this year, fingers crossed. And I'll be watching the matchups and seeing how the front office and Gabe Kapler do with these crazy, like, analytical pairings that they do. (laughs) What I'm honestly the most excited to see is Buster Posey back behind the plate. I mean, it just wasn't the same. Uh, and I'm saying this as a, as a completely non-biased, I know that I grew up in the Bay Area, so that's always going to be kind of attributed there. But as a non-biased, just fan of the sport, it was hard to watch a Giants game and know that Buster Posey wasn't going to be there. It was hard to kind of see the heartbeat of the team and the team leader, the face of the franchise really not playing. And I will never, ever criticize why he did not play. He did the right thing for his family. We are not to judge in any way whether we thought that was a good idea or a bad idea. It does not matter. He did what he needed to do. And I'm just very excited to see him come back healthy and hopefully what is a safe environment for all of the players. Um, he, I mean, from, from things that I've read and from, my, from things that I've heard, he seems to be feeling really good, rejuvenated, healthy, um, you know, 
looking for his bounce back season. And, you know, if he can do that, hopefully that maybe will play into a little bit of a, uh, an, you know, either whether it's an extension or a re-sign deal in the future, whatever that may be, or if it's the end of his tenure, which I hope it's not, I'm just really excited to see one more season of Buster Posey, whatever that may entail. Yeah, early this offseason, I wrote a piece that was, you know, kind of, you know, Giants fans might need to prepare themselves that this is probably going to be the last year Buster Posey wears a Giants uniform. But as the offseason's gone on, I've kind of not fully retracted that. Like, I still think that's there. But I think you can kind of see if the farm, excuse me, if Zaidi is a bit further down on Bart's term at time, again, they go and sign Kasali and whatnot you know, that, you know, maybe there is a path for a bounce back that keeps him around. And obviously Giants fans root for that, but, you know, savor every start and every game he does play in this season. Um, because, you know, again, it, it, this could very well be his last season in a Giants uniform. One, obviously, you know, we, we talk a lot about Zaidi wanting to get younger and wanting to move on from Joey Bart, but, you know, it's also keep in mind, Posey's a free agent. You know, Posey might see, you know, greener pastures, Elsewhere, he might see a, a team closer to championship contention in need of a catcher. Maybe he can go closer to home to Atlanta or something to that effect as well. So it might not even be up to the Giants for an office if mm-hmm. they want to bring him back as well. So um, definitely, I think, I think that's a great point. It's, it's easy to forget with all these moves and all these things that Buster Posey is coming back. And I think that's the most exciting thing for a lot of Giants fans. So that is Katie Wu of NBC Sports Bay Area. You can follow her on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. That's K-A-T-I-E-J-W-O-O. Katie, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much. I had a blast. This was great. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great conversation. So I am your host, Mark DeLuke. You can follow me on Twitter at MadDeLuke, which is M-A-D-D-E-L-U-C-C-H-I. And if you want to stay up to date on all Giants news and rumors, make sure to stay tuned at AroundTheVoghorn.com. Thank you so much for joining us on our 14th episode of Sound the Foghorn. Until next time, have a good one. Stay safe.